I got the opportunity to get into real estate. I didn't. I didn't get through the first interview. Um, school teacher beat me. Okay. Um, and after the school teacher was in that position for three weeks, but there's not enough money in this, they got out and they rang me back up because again, said we'd like to have a second chance. And I said, give me a chance. I'll prove I can do it. And um, I broke the office record for the first month. For going one, going twice, sold. You're listening to the property box. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. I'm your host, Aaron Horn, and I'm joined, as always, by real estate agents Patrick Berry and John McGregor. Hey, how's it going? Hey, gentlemen, and happy birthday for yesterday of the date of this recording, Mr. Horn. Much appreciated, yeah. I had a, had a wonderful day yesterday, spoiled by my loved ones, especially Sarah and Jack. They, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, made me feel very special, so, yeah. Well, did you say you went on a bike ride that was quite... We we did we did it was quite challenging. I um for Sarah's birthday I got her a uh, bike mm. and it was just kind of your marketplace. We'll just get a bike. We'll see if we if Jack likes it personally, and then we'll go from there. Um, but then for my birthday she got me a bike seat ah, for okay. Jack oh, to yeah, sit yeah, on because yeah. so we couldn't use them because we were like oh we need to get a babysitter. That's way too much organisation. Mm. We'll just jump straight into um like. Getting a baby seat and he loved it. He had the best time. So yeah, yeah he raced along the uh, the bike track, just smiling and giggling. And we got to Valhalla ice cream and and treated ourselves there. Right, all the way to Valhalla on the back of a mighty steed. Is it? I said something like that. <laughs> and we're riding to Valhalla. <laughs> we um used to have one of those bike trailers, and I remember once I was towing Quinn up the hill near the cenotaph there. And the bike track uh, came unclipped from the back of it, and then went <laughs> down the hill of the highway there. All the cars are. I'm oh. like, oh shit. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. No, so, so we saw what? a bike trailer. Seat's good. Yes. Yeah. Seat's Seat. connected to bike all time. Seat is very good. <laughs> yeah, no, so we had a wonderful day there. We went to the Tassian after that and, and had some dinner with the family. So, yeah, I got very, very spoilt on my birthday. So shout That's out awesome. for uh, appreciate the, the love from everybody. That's awesome. Before, well, speaking of love, that's actually a really good segue. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to introduce today's guest because uh, I think you'd be probably the, the most equipped at, uh, at the show, John, to uh, introduce today's guest on the property pod. Yeah, what's well, funny with this bike seat, I remember one of my earliest, happiest memories was on the back of the, uh, a bike seat, actually, as a kid. So it's very, very relevant. But I suppose there was, when I was thinking it through, um, it was actually worth mapping out um, sort of the... I suppose who this person is, you could say. Yep. Um, just to give context of why it's relevant to the property pod specifically. Um, so it's something we put together a long time ago. So I'm going to read it, but I'll do my yeah, best. Yeah, go to, for it. Uh, but yeah, so it just says, so when it comes to the concept of giving back, there aren't too many agents around Australia that have dedicated their career to not only being a competent operator, but have taken the time to do more than just build a successful business. For over 35 years, he has shared his knowledge to mentor countless new agents and volunteered his time to numerous boards and charity organisations in order to lift the credibility of the industry and its positive involvement within the community. He joined the real estate industry in 1986 and as a salesperson was the number one salesperson in the state for multiple years. In 1994, he became the managing director of First National Real Estate, or a bit the name, of which he and his wife ran for 26 years. While being part of the First National Real Estate Network, he served on the National Board of Directors for four years as well as being the Tasmanian President. He is the longest-serving member of the board uh, on the board of the Real Estate Institute of Tasmania, the REIT, starting in 1989 and was elected state president from 1998 to 2000. He also served on the Real Estate Institute of uh, Australia board from 2004 to 2010 and as the deputy president of the REIA in 2009 to 2010. Um, to this day, he remains an REI trainer, uh, REIT trainer, helping teach the new members coming into the industry. 
He was also a, a past National Australian President for FIABSI, which is the French, French acronym for the International Real Estate Federation based in Paris. He is a fellow of the Real Estate Institute of Australia, fellow of the Australian Institute of uh, sorry, fellow of the Australian Marketing Institute and CPM, fellow of the Australian Institute of Management, and a fellow of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. He has been a member of the National Association of Realtors Global Business and Alliances Group USA and an honorary member of the SBAOR Global Real Estate Committee uh, Committee California USA. He served as an REIA National Awards Judge for Excellence since 2006 and is also a FIABSI Pre-D-Excellence International Awards Judge from 2012. In 2009, he was the recipient of the prestigious John Gregg Trophy for Services to the Real Estate Industry and at the September 2013 REIT Awards Night held in Rest Point, he was awarded the Life Membership of the Real Estate Institute of Tasmania, which is the highest honour that the REIT can bestow. Welcome to my father, Chris McGregor. Thank you, John. <laughs> Welcome, Chris. Wowzers, trousers, what an intro. I don't know if we've ever had anything like that on the show, but uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Chris, and um, yeah. Um, thanks and thanks for, for coming. Mm. Unfortunately, we've run out of time forward to actually interview yeah. you because John's <laughs> intro was so long, but <laughs> it was a good show. Decent resume, you could say. Yeah, um, no, what an interesting kind of, uh, just running through that, like I thought I knew a fair crack of it, but all this kind of France and Paris and... All this extra stuff. How did you get involved in? Well, actually, before we even jump into that, how did you get involved in into real estate? Where does where's kind of <coughs> did it say nineteen eighty six? Yeah, the year we were born. Yeah, yeah. So, what were you doing before then? And and then what happened to? I was uh, I was the um, assistant manager at the Mount Nelson Motor Inn uh, prior to that, and before that, I was working. I did my um, uh, training manager at Rest Point. Um, I was there for about five or six years, and. One of those sort of particular jobs, once you get in sometimes in management roles, you get a set salary and no matter what you do to try and make some extra income, it's very, very hard to do. And in those days, you always had people ramming Amway down your throat and all that sort of stuff and it just wasn't for me. And um, I used to see some of the real estate guys from the early days from the Phil, uh, Phil um, 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 can't think of the guy's name, from um, in town. And those guys were... Um, always seem to look like they're doing okay. And I realised that uh, real estate's one of those jobs that um, um, that gives you an opportunity to earn what you can, um, in your, but in the company's own environment that you've got a, a team of management that looks after you. A lot of people would love to get into business themselves but are too frightened to um, take the next step of what the risks it takes to, be, to have your own business. Where Real estate's got one of those uh, opportunities where you, you can... You can you get out of what you put into it, but you've got the environment of support through a, um, a, an office, uh, like particularly like four one four real estate. Yeah, they definitely offers their salespeople. So it's a, it's a good stepping stone to if you ever want to tread water even further. But a lot, lot most people sort of don't. Yeah, no, it sounded really interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking like it's one of those industries where you get out what you put in. Like if you want to be a really really hard operator and and get out there and <coughs> and get it, you can yeah jump up some rungs and get yourself ahead rather than. Kind of yeah, you're kind of plateauing in your in your other position sort of thing, and thinking like, geez, I'm working my butt off, and that bloke over there sitting there doing nothing, and he's earning the exact same crust as me. So yeah, absolutely, it's interesting. What um, it sounded like from there, you then jumped up in the ranks. So you obviously had um quite a bit of motivation to move. I think what eighty six you started, then by did you say ninety four you were running your own shop? Yeah, well, I guess I'm having that was it. Three boys at that point. Dad's going to put some motivation for you to make some money. <laughs> well, that's, that was that was the case too. And then I got the opportunity to get into real estate. I didn't I didn't get 
through the first interview, um, school teacher beat me. Okay. Um, and after the school teacher was in that position for three weeks, but there's not enough money in this, they got out and they rang me back up again. Said, "Would you like to have a second chance?" And I said, "Give me a chance. I'll prove I can do it." And um, I broke the office record for the first month of the office where I worked. I sold um, eight sales. I had eight sales my first month of real estate. Straight out of the gate, you had eight so sales. Two two weeks, nothing. I started to panic. Yep. And then bang, 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 which was great. Then I was disappointed with my six sales the next month. But um, <laughs> you set the bar too high. <laughs> and then I started to. Um, I wanted to I really wanted to learn. And in those days. Most homes were sitting around fifty thousand dollars, forty-five. Yep, forty thousand dollars. So a little different to today. And the commission, mm. the full commission to the business was sixteen hundred and sixty dollars, and you got either twenty percent of that or forty percent. So you know it was it was hard work. Yep. And um, we had a growing family, and um, uh, so you had to really get out there and do your things. So I didn't know any better, and then I sort of made the gold one. one I was so keen to get make these sales. One of the salespeople came up to me and said that. Um, uh, you need to be learning how to fill out contracts and all that sort of stuff. Yet I said, but I need to make sales to, to make the living. And he said, well, you'll never make, you'll never be any better than me. So I made it my goal <laughs> to beat the bottom salesperson in the office. And I realised later that wasn't a very good goal. Um, so then I sort of made, went through the steps of looking at the, the team in the office and watching what they did. And I learned very quickly that um, you can learn from the poor people but just don't do what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, um, almost take some of their uh, ex- bad examples and just be like, all I have to do is exactly not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Work my way up from there, yeah. and yeah, which was my goal. And then um, by the end of the end of the twelve months, I ended up being the top salesperson, which was really good to mine. And then, of course, in those days, we had the multi list uh, system in in Tasmania. So, could you could you explain that just for any listeners out there that kind oh. of that doesn't make too much sense to me? I'm sure the other agents would understand, but. Multi-list, what I thought was a very good system. It was operated through the Real Estate Institute of Tasmania and you could have a salesperson that would um, uh, list the property. But it, um, And or normally in those days, you don't take a listing for 30 days. And so the multi-list was another opportunity to extend your control over the listing. But at the same time, it opened it up to the rest of the real estate agents in Hobart or, or in Tasmania. And what it meant was you'd, you'd sign up the, the agency to the Real Estate Institute. That form would get sent into the institute they would process it, and then that copy of that listing would go to every agency um, outside of that. Oh, okay, yep. And so then you still had control of the listing, yep. but it was open to all the other agents to uh, to show the property and sell it. Is this kind of like – have you guys talked before about um, the, the bus that would travel around and you go to different listings? Is this – This this, yeah. this, this was, happened every Thursday from for the northern suburbs, happened yep. at Roberts Real Estate, which uh, Patrick's Berry's – um, uh, grandfather used to run there, and um, he was used to come to those tours as well. Yep. He was an absolute gentleman, and um, it was a good it was a good fun morning from nine thirty every Thursday to go and go to people's listings. And I can just imagine the the <laughs> bus ride <laughs> together. Bus it feels like around. kind of leaving high school yeah. and getting on the bus. At, at, yeah, I'm on the back seat, and oh yeah. no, don't go and get in Chris's spot. He's <laughs> yeah. he's the best seller at their one, and. Oh, I actually like the sounds of that. Yeah, and more, more so the city had the bus, but we had um, we brought our own cars, and of course it was always my goal to have the best looking car because people say how things are going. You'd always say unbelievable. I have noticed that the um, the drink bottle on the desk here has Porsche written up down the side <laughs> of it, and I know that just yes. recently you had a uh, a Porsche club show. Was was getting the flashy car? Was that one of the first? Um, 
traits of, of being a successful real estate agent? Um, I've always liked to quite nice cars for a very long time. It's been one of my hobbies, but um, um, getting in, I got into the Porsches about seven years ago, and I've got to say it's my, my favourite Oh, so car. that's only recent. I thought that you were a long-term Porsche man. Uh, no, I had Mercedes before that. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yes, very nice. And Volvos. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, so yeah, you <laughs> leveled, don't the Volvo. leveled your way up across the board. The Volkswa- the, Volkswagen's good cars. The moving tank. Ah, very well, good. Well, what was that? Uh, what, what you, was it some interesting stuff that used to happen on those bus tours? I remember there was a lesson you at like a training of like how to lo- how to how to lose a listing, and it's just a, what was it a guy had got off a? Oh, we had the situation where um, um, I won't I won't tell you who the, the company was because it's mm. they're still about, um, but. Um, because um, you, you, the listing agent would um, open the property to the, all the rest of the uh, agents to show them what they're going, going to do. Yep. And he was, knock, he was uh, knocking on the door, and the owner's cat started to curl around his leg. And he just looked at me and said, Don't you just hate cats? And he's flung his leg up in the air, and you're watching this cat flying through the air. <laughs> and as the door opened, the, 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 uh, the vandals inside saw this happen. Well, he lost the listing over that. I can imagine so, <laughs> so yeah. So I took a note to myself. Don't hurt people's cats. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help when you've got ten other agents there lined up right behind him. <laughs> and one of the other ones was, um, I remember doing a negotiation out at New Norfolk, and not before that, I used to show this property. This seven-year-old seven year little girl used to always follow me around the house, pointing to the kitchen, the bathroom, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Get out, get out of the way. But um, on the night of um, put, trying to put it together, mum was on one side of the table, dad was on the other side of the table, and the little little seven-year-old girl sitting in front of me. And I said, we've had the property on the market for three months, we've had 15 inspections and all that sort of stuff, and this is the first offer we've got that it's worth really considering. Yep. And it's $55,000. And this little girl looked at the mum, looked at the dad, and looked at me, and she said, we'll take it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And they both looked at each other, why not? Not here's your 20 bucks, kid. You know, so, so then I made it myself to make, be nice to little kids. Yep. <laughs> I, I love it. it. It It's such an interesting because it's such a, um, a personable um, profession where you're meeting so many different types of people across the um, just the gamut of personalities. Like you're either meeting a cat lover or someone with kids or you're meeting Joe Blow who's like literally done nothing to his house and knows it's worth more than any other bloke on the street, even though all the grass is overgrown. And I guess it's one of those things where I know you've worked as a trainer across the REIT. How do you give advice on um, those interpersonal relationships of kind of passing on, like don't treat people bad? And, and Well, you don't have to live with these people for very long. Um, so you always got to make sure that um, – and it's hard to do in real estate is to you know be, be a good listener. Um, because you've got the um, where we're always very want very want to give our all our information, our advice, and and, and a lot of us, um, a lot of real estate people do have a bit of an ego. So a lot of them need it really to they've got to be able to you know push their own barrow. But um, at the same time, you've got to give them because sometimes you can go to somebody that um, they spoke all day, all the whole through the whole entire presentation. You've hardly said anything. And they walk out and they say, "Gee, that was a nice. He was a nice person." Because they were given the freedom to to just talk, talk and, and all that sort of, and get off the chest. Sure. Yep. Where we can sometimes, I've have been in presentations where you see some of the um, uh, the salespeople really they just can't get them to shut up, and sometimes they and they and they just keep going when it's the time for them to stop. When the person's about to say, "Here's the listing," and they're ready, ready on, still going, and haven't heard. They're not listening to. Not only are they listening to what they're saying, but they're not listening to what they're actually what what they're wanting. Definitely. Uh, and an example would be, 
Um, sometimes we'll say to people, you know, we really do need you to probably put a lick of paint on this particular and do that. It'd really help. Oh, we don't want to do that. And what they're actually probably saying to you is they don't have the money to do it. But yep. they're too embarrassed. So you've got to be able to listen to those little tiny things that I think is very important. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess, is that something that you think you picked up maybe working in um, hospitality and uh, kind of at rest point and stuff before that is being attentive to people's needs and then transferring it across? I think I think um, the hospitality industry teaches you service. It teaches you how to – customers always right and all those sort of things. Yep. Um, the other skills in real estate, because um, – uh, those sort of skills you learn by experience. I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I bought a brand new car, had it in someone's brand new driveway, and he kept saying, is it leaking oil? Is it leaking oil? And I'm going, no, I'm, this is a brand new car. It's great. What he was telling me was, get your car out of my driveway. Yep. And I wasn't listening to those signals. Yeah, for sure. You learn, you learn all those sort of things. It's like when your partner's driving along, she says, we'll talk a cup of coffee. And then you say no, and you just keep driving. And all of a sudden, she's not talking to you far far. <laughs> you realise what she was saying was, "I oh, want a coffee." <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, that's you, fair. You, you got to. You, you do. You come, and Patrick and John would be able to agree to this. That um, you, know, you, you sometimes you become quite like a psychiatrist for a lot of people, and, mm. and, and the sounding board for their problems, all sorts of things that you're there. For. Um, for them. Well, hearing those little comments a few times, even just that car one, that was something you taught me early um, because I'll, the vendor will just say to me, oh, you should just park in the driveway. Even if like, you just this long walk right up this bush road, it's like you still park at the street because you just do not know who you're going to block off and it could just be waiting for you know another part of the family who's been waiting to get into their spot that you just got into mm-hmm. and they're like, um, so you know, you've got to win both you know, both parties in that sense, and one's just like, no, I hate that guy, why? Mm-hmm. He, he won't say why, but it's because you parked in his space, he's like instantly, oh. instantly dislikes you. Yeah, mm-hmm. even even going in and taking photos, like if it's an old house, a new house, any house, I'll get there with me and Sebastian and we'll both take our shoes off and you'll mm-hmm. get every time or majority of the time, but, oh, no, no, don't worry about taking your shoes off. And it's like, oh, no, force of habit, it's just kind of... Can't help it though. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's a polite thing to do unless I've got smelly socks on, which... <laughs> Holes. Does happen, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have my days. <laughs> but thank you, Sarah, for the new socks yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So I've got about two weeks of... Yeah, solid socks. Solid yeah. socks. <laughs> I think just from there, we might just ask, jump to John, go to another McGregor and just say, what was it like growing up with um, with Dad as a real estate agent? Was it something that um, you saw and thought, oh, that's something I definitely want to kind of jump into? I know we've kind of touched on it previously yeah yeah but um yeah your path into into working with your dad and then now alongside and yeah can you give us kind of what it's like to work along with the accolades that we we went across was quite amazing to to kind of follow in in those footsteps and and yeah definitely yeah but it's sort of difficult to remember with the you know he never saw me yeah that's probably the best way because well, that mean he's right, but you think about the how how hard you used to have to work. Well, always did, and it wasn't always a um, and it was wasn't a desire, it was a sacrifice. You know, a lot of time to support the family. Yep. Um, and where where then it um, you know, for us, I suppose, then for, we could look back and be eternally grateful for the hard work that that it did for us. And when I when I got into it though is. Not so much, I suppose, you know, looking um, a, a, as a desire to be a real estate agent so much. It's actually more so something that I've really enjoyed as, as I've matured, surprisingly yep. enough, um, because I've been able to recognise the, um, what the, the, the business can offer. And like Dad described as well, where um, as a salesperson, you, do, you are 
you know, you, you, it's you, your business within a business. So, you know, Pat has to take all the, the burden, the responsibility, that, you know, these days like Dad did all those time ago where um, of over, you know, overarching the responsibility for everyone and we yep. get to just focus on our little little niche. Yeah, for sure. And, and with that comes the capacity to earn a good income and also have the freedom to control your time, um, which now I'm starting to understand is, you know, more valuable than the money, you know, as well. Um, and when it came to – one of the things I've, I really appreciated – I suppose in my career specifically, is because um, Dad was always involved with all the um, the management of the industry, like that influences it. I had a very different perspective that probably most other agents don't get, which is not only if you know you've got your little your own little niche where you think you know everything, but then um, looking outside of okay from the board from the board levels, like okay, there's legislation that you know that has to be influenced that you know will make our job easier, and you know who helps um, you know service the industry and service the public yeah for sure and i always had a really unique perspective that i had um a a global view i suppose you could say rather than just a a day-to-day one yeah and it was very interesting when i'd have a conversation with you know agents 20 years my senior who have very little understanding of what they're actually talking about so they could and to give an example there might be complaints like i can't believe they put this into the contract how stupid is that it's like well where are you um you know volunteering your time to help influence maybe in the direction that you want rather than just whinging about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's probably been one of the best things for me is to have a real, um, uh, like a, a top-down perspective or a much wider view than uh, your own selfish perspective. And I think that's where Dad's influence of his volunteering time on the boards, etc., over above as a salesperson, businessman, etc., really helped me and my perspective and my maturity probably not only in business but as a person as well is like there's more to this story than you think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, actually, that's a really good kind of um, pivot point for um, getting into how you've gone from just an operator making, you know, six sales or was it six sales actually, or eight what, sales? Well, what, was, what was your best month? My, my best month in McQuarrie was 23 sales and 15 listings in the one month. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, That's pretty so wow. <laughs> 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 how, uh, I can't even. I was going to pivot into how did you get into all the volunteering and how do you even do that? How do you even manage that many listings and and then still find listings across? That's more than uh, one a day. Madness. Mm. You need um, if you're just doing the same thing all the time. It does make Jack a dull boy, and you've got to have other little interests on the side. But yep. also, too, I learned very quickly um, in the early days. These institutes and things, Rotary, all those sort of things are there um, that do a lot of good. And these businesses wouldn't survive without those industries looking after you. Um, like sometimes we'll have um, – when, when, the, when the contract the new contract was coming out, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the politicians and things like that were having um, ideas of making 15 days cooling off periods and all those sort of things. And that's where the industry fought very hard to stop that sort of thing happening because yep. we realised – when we're out in the field, those sort of things just wouldn't work. And but if we, we didn't have the board or so and, and, and the institute fighting for those sort of things, we'd have a very different environment to work in. Mm. And it just makes it better better for our uh, our industry, better for the public and our clients as well. Um, but all sort of volunteering too. Patrick's father, um, Paul. I mean, he's the president of the Rotary and all those sort of. They do just amazing work for for and without all that sort of volunteering, selfless sort of work. I mean, what sort of where, where would we be? So it's mm. it's very important. I, gu- I guess again, um, part of being an agent is um, being a member of the community and <coughs> actually um, giving back, giving back, and yeah. and kind of having that presence in the community to be like, oh, I'm not here just because I want to drive my flash car. I'm here to kind of better better the community. And I think the mm. really I think the really good agents are great at <coughs> excuse me 
um, connecting with the community and they want to build the community because they believe in it. Yep. It's yeah. not just a job to most agents. We work the areas we choose because we enjoy working within them and we enjoy the people that live within them. So um, some people will say we join these clubs and community groups and that because we want to get work. And sure, it's a byproduct of that. But yep. the main reason is we enjoy the community we live in. Yeah, definitely. And I think people, you can just see through the difference between someone who's there just to like get something from me versus someone who's there because they want to be there mm. uh, for nothing else but like this is what I want to contribute to. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, I mean, Dad, what is it? That we said that you were on the board since 1989. So we've been on the RIT board since 89, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, because well, that was one thing that's, you know, it's interest when we were talking nice. about stories was um, a lot of some really hard decisions that you've had to be a part of, even with First National and the REIT, et cetera. How, how have you actually managed to be able to, um, you know, keep that space in your mind to do sales, business and with the board? Like what, how have you been able to manage that? One of the things to, to have a good board, you've got to have good directors. Mm. Um, it's like having a good team, all that sort of stuff, and you've got to have good leadership. Um one of the things I learned, with, I'm with the company directors, um, and one of the big roles with the board is 50% of your time is to make sure you've got the right CEO. Mm. If you've got the wrong CEO, um, things can go pear-shaped pretty quickly. You don't want the dog wagging the tail or what the whale wagging the dog and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. once you've got that nutted down, and it's critical that you get good members that are on the board that want to be there for their members, not mm. for their own personal gain, um, because a lot of a lot of times you'll have a problem with someone, so that's not going to work and we don't like that either in, in our area. But yes, but is is it good for our industry? Like, for example, some would turn around and say um, that the cooling off like, cooling, cooling period was one of the things I was – I didn't lo- like the idea and we managed with hard work to get uh, a choice where you could tick the box of using it or not having it on there or not, mm. um, where other people didn't have – when people sometimes come up with the decisions, they don't actually play the game of chess in their head to find out this is what the result's going to be down the track if we go with that decision. Because yep. um, they wanted to introduce cooling off periods in auctions as well. And again, that, that wouldn't work. And the reason why they've got auctions are so big in Victoria is because they had the cooling off period for years and years. Yep. And the auction period got rid of that. So once the hammer went down, the house was sold. Yep. Um, and a lot of people make decisions on their on a property and then they sell theirs and, and then um, they bought this, say if they bought the auction on unconditional, then th- th- three days later you've got someone pulled out on the property. Yeah. So that auction system fin- finished that. Mm. Well, and that I suppose that's where, um, you know, for, I suppose for the public as well, where there is such flexibility in the Tasmanian contract because the Law Society and the REIT have always ensured that, um, the led, you know, the, we had control in the sense that, it was to allow flexibility, like you said, is that you know on the field the consumers are protected, but it still allows for a lot of negotiation. I think Tasmania's got one of the best systems for for purchasing property in Australia. It's yeah. it's, it's 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 a very good it's, it's what we what we've worked for very hard with the law society uh, is is very workable. Well, one of the things that I um, <clears throat> I suppose you could say I learned from Dad too is how to keep a deal together. Because that was, um, I mean, well, you remember when you got into um, First National Real Estate McGregor, which you, what you went into partnership with Don Neal in 1994. Yep. One of the things, you, I remember you said very quickly you had to earn the respect of the staff because, like, who's this whippersnapper? Um, but you started to put, you know, get deals together that people couldn't. I had one where, <coughs> uh, and that was true, that everybody's looking at you. Because when you go into a new business, you can't go telling everybody you're going to a new business beforehand. You just mm. got to rock up at the time. And um, they had these two units out of Goodwood owned by an ex-hotelier and they were $10,000 apart 
and they just want the one wouldn't come down and the other one wouldn't come up. Yeah. Don't you hate those people? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just this, and um, they said they just can't do it. And I said, give me the give me the contract. Um, and I rang the owners and I, and I used. They said, "Don't bother coming. I'm not taking any. I'm not taking any less." And I said, "I'm not. I'm not there for that. I just want. To, I'm the new, new, um, uh, the new uh, director, and I'd like to come and say hello and introduce myself to my clients." Yep. I said, "Fair enough. Got that. Got him. Got him down five grand." Mm. Rang yeah. the buyer and he said, "I'm not, not interested." I said, "I'm just the new director. I want to come and say hello, have a coffee, and after after sitting down with him half an hour." Got him up to five grand. Got walked back to the office. Got the deal together. Yeah, yeah. And the owner, the vendor, said to me, um, he said, "Thanks for doing that because I would have come up, uh, would have come down, but the, the your salesperson was too gutless to come and see me." Wow. And I learned something from that day. You know, you've got to again people what people say to you all the time are not not necessarily what they're thinking mm. um, because they're using it to bluff. It's that's what negotiations about, isn't it? Definitely. You know, the first person speaks loses, mm. and. Um, um, and that was good. I walked back into the into, into the uh, in, into the office, and they could see that I could negotiate. You could do, yeah. It was it was it was good. Speak, but, speaking of being able to negotiate, I think one of the first. Uh, I'm not a real estate agent, so I didn't don't have to learn any of the tricks of the trade. But one of the first uh, tricks I learnt from you was the old pen in the top pocket trick. I think. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're probably going to have to wrap up pretty soon. But I just wondered if you could run over the pen in. The, we don't want to give away trade secrets. <laughs> But I think within two weeks of being here, I'd learned about the pen in the po- top, top pocket. It's been a little bit different in this particular mark, but often, um, and Patrick and John will know that when the people want to make an offer, they come in pretty, they come pretty in pretty, pretty silly and pretty hard sometimes. Yep. And because you got your pen out, of course, um, with the, with, the, with the agreement in front of you, to start uh, filling form, out filling the, out the form. Yep. And you might have a property that's at the market for four hundred thousand dollars, and they turn around, and say, we want to make offer, we want to offer three hundred fifty. So I just get my pen and just start putting them back in my pocket. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I thought you said you wanted to buy it. And they said, yeah. we do. Well, well, I'll pull my pen out and let's start from scratch, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's get them, back to, get them back on track. It's so yeah. interesting it's because, powerful. because even in that moment, like that story with this vendor, is it, um, you know, with the influence that an agent can have, we're actually just bringing people the opportunity that they want to make. But sometimes they just need that encouragement, and sometimes it can be a fun little, you know, pen back in the pocket. Or like your vendor said, you know, the, the, I, I just wanted someone that with a, you know, some just to, you know, just say, hey, you got to do this. Like, all right, don't. Just need someone that he could respect, you know. Oh, it stuck in my head straight away. I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris has come in and he's talked about this top pocket trick. Like, What's this top pocket <laughs> thing? And then <laughs> when he explained it to me, I was like, mm, that's real good. Yeah, that's yeah. real good. Yeah, exactly. Remember, our role at the end of the day is to keep the vendor and purchaser apart, so we can keep, we can get them together. Get them together. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a really good kind of button to uh, to finish the show on. Yeah, exactly. God, we haven't scrapped the service, but thanks, Dad. No, yeah, look, <laughs> I think this is one where we could do a three-part series and, and continue to – we could do the, the beginning, the middle, and I don't think the end's anywhere soon. I think you've got plenty of years ahead of you in uh, – Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it here. Excellent. Mm. Glad to hear. Um, I think unless you guys have got anything else to cover off on – I'm we, uh, pretty good. I've been quiet all day, so <laughs> I just keep on that. It's nice when Pat's in the corner and there's plenty of conversation going on. We've we've had yeah, a good yeah. episode. So, um, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for uh, for having John and, and letting us get to know him as a um, as a young whippersnapper. And mm, mm. yeah, the the future is bright for the McGregor clan. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Not Beautiful. a problem. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. You have been listening to the Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only, and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel, and listeners should always seek their news, their own investigation into any topic we discuss. 
to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations express or implied, and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.